Welcome back to the Health and Wealth Podcast with your guest, Dr. Vincent Buscemi. I'm not your guest, I'm the host. This is the guest, Coach Chuck Turner. Look at this guy. He's 52 and he has the physique of a really in shape 25-year-old. Amazing guy. We were going to talk about physical fitness because I know Chuck runs a program called Sustainable Surgeon where he helps surgeons and also dentists be in the careers long-term through physical fitness. But we got talking about Chuck's backstory, and I could not stop asking more questions. Chuck has an amazing story, kind of a rough upbringing, was on his own at 16, and just has a lot of wisdom and stories to tell that you will really benefit from. Chuck, I know you're listening. Thank you for an hour of your time. Everyone else listening, you're going to love this podcast. See you guys soon. I got to ask, because we already spoke on the phone before, you have such a good origin story. G- okay. Give me the beginning. Why are you so passionate about physical fitness and helping people achieve their goals? You know, for me, I mean, fitness saved my life, right? So I come from a family of alcohol and drug abuse. Um, you know, just, just living in a, in an area and in a mindset of, of just people not doing very well based on the environment, right. And generations and generations of that. So when I grew up, you know, what was not, you know, I had seen more violence and seen more drug use by the time I was, you know, seven than, than most people see in their lifetime. Right. So that stuff was kind of normal to me with the exception of I had one uncle. So I'm originally from Wichita, Kansas. And we lived there till I was probably, well, we moved back and forth a couple of times, but we lived there till I was probably like seven. He, he was living in Minnesota, going to school and playing basketball. And so he was trying to convince my mom to get out of Wichita because there was just no opportunity for her. And so she did. And so we lived with my grandmother for a number of years. And then when she got established, she came back and got us and brought us up here, right? And so even here, some of the family followed and it was still the same kind of environment. I mean, my mother was, you know, she she had, she did a really good job in terms of teaching us, you know, right and wrong and she created a great home for us, but there was still all that stuff around, right? And the uncle that got her to move here, when I kind of started becoming of age and he could kind of see that I was starting to slip into, because he was the only one that didn't. He didn't smoke. He didn't drink. He was all about, you know, healthy living, eating right, taking care of his body. You know, he was like a unicorn to me, but he was there and he was visible. And then when he started to, he's like, all right, I'm going to come and, and, and start picking you up and start taking you to work out. And I didn't even know what he was talking about, but it was, I just loved him and he was an escape. And so he's like, I'm going to be here at like five in the morning. I'm a honk once. If you're not out there, I'm, you know, so me, I'm all excited. I get all dressed and like before I go to bed and then I wake up in the middle of the night and go and sleep in the living room so I don't miss this guy coming to get me. And he came and got me and he was the first one to put a weight in my hand. And, and so, and I didn't know it at the time, but then he's, he got a family and then he kind of started doing his thing. And so our meetings kind of started to dwindle and then we just didn't meet anymore. But he was, during that time, it was probably over a three-year period. He was showing me how to lift weights. He was teaching me basketball. 
And he was just showing me, exposing me to this whole different lifestyle that I just wasn't privy to. And then again, like I said, he got his family. So then I started slipping back into those ways. And then I found myself in some trouble. Like I got myself into some trouble. And it was one of them. It was one of them situations where you're at a crossroads, right? It's like, okay, either I'm going to lead this life of crime and doing all this stuff that I was into, or I'm going to go ahead and pivot and, and live more like, like my uncle was living. So, and, and I, it dawned on me, I was just like, okay, when was I my happiest? And it was when he was coming to get me and taking me to work out. So I'm like, all right, well, I don't know how I'm going to get myself out of this, but I know I'm going to start with taking care of myself. And then that just led to thinking better and wanting better. And uh, to this day, I mean, sometimes when I'm doing workouts, like like right now I'm injured, but I'm still working out. And, and I think it's me, but I think I channel him and I think I channel all of it. But um, if, it, if I didn't have that, that he gave to me, then I wouldn't be standing here or I wouldn't be sitting here talking to you on this podcast right now. I mean, it'd be a, a completely different story. So, so I, I go, ahead. go ahead. So what are some of the habits you were getting into that were causing you to slip back into, we'll say a less desirable life? Oh man, I was smoking weed. I was drinking and this stuff was like in high school, like, um, hanging out with the wrong groups, you know, um, you know, weapons. I mean, look, you name it. Like, let me just put it like this. The guy that's sitting in front of you today is not the same guy that I was back then. Um, I was I was buying into it. I mean, it's just all your friends are doing it. You know, I mean, to some extent, your parents are doing it. I mean, it's just there's there's no other option. I mean, like my uncle was literally a unicorn. <laughs> Did your uncle have good role models? I wonder why he was able to escape that kind of life. You know, I think maybe he, I mean, because I, I don't want to give it all to him. I mean, you know, I had to make the decision and you look around and you, I guess he was able to get out of the environment and see the way that other people live. And I mean, like other black people. Because when I grew up, I thought this is what black people did. I mean, I watched TV and I could see that white people didn't do that, but black people were doing this that lived around me, right? And I think it was him taking me out of the environment to see that, hey, you know, I mean, I had, I have uncles and aunts that are doctors, right? But we, you know, my mother and, and, and my biological father split up when I was a baby. So I, I didn't. I didn't live with those guys. I didn't see that kind of stuff. So I, I took to what I saw. Right. And then he was able to take me out of that. And then I was getting information about like, I got, you know, everybody, all my dad's brothers and sisters are doctors, all of them. His grandfather is, or his dad is a doctor. His mom was a nurse. But then on this side, it was, it was just, it was different. Right. And so I, I got to believe that he, Someone had to do that to him. I mean, show him something different, or maybe it was his athletics that got him out of Wichita, and then he saw different things and was like, wait a minute, there's there's so much more that we can do. And it was just something that maybe clicked in him that and and I think, you know, we we are kindred spirits in that in that way. Or I just took his lead. Well, it sounds like your mother laid a great foundation though, because you mentioned that your uncle got his own family, which happens, and you, mm -hmm. you slipped back into the bad habits. 
if yeah. you were able to pull yourself out by yourself the second time, how did that happen? You know, it just, you know, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I look at it like my mother was a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful woman. Um, I watched her. Well, I didn't really watch her, but she grew up without her father. Right. Uh, my grandmother grew up without her father. Um, my sister grew up without her father. So those are three women that I watched grow up without male figures in their life. And, and the, the choices that they made in terms of men in their life kind of reflected that. Right. And so um, I knew my mother when she was young. And then when my mother got with my stepfather, things really started to change then. And, and so but she was always like, you know, she made sure that I, that we knew what what the difference between right and wrong was and how to treat people. And even when, you know, she slipped into her drug stuff, she always made sure that this is what I'm doing. You know, I don't want you to do this. And, you know, and for whatever reason, I listened. I mean, to a certain extent. I mean, I did slip into it. But then, you know, there were all these examples, too, of, well, I don't want to end up like that. I don't want to end up like that. I don't want to end up like that. And so I guess it was just a combination of all those things the perfect soup that just made me be like, I got to I got to do something different. And I mean, I'm going to just keep it real with you. And I'm, I don't care who, you know, I, I got into so much trouble. I found myself in jail, like the county jail. Oh, wow. And 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 one of the things and this is at a young age. And one of the things that happened is I met this guy who tried to rob a restaurant with a butcher knife. <laughs> and I thought to myself, you know, this is not the place for me. Like, <laughs> like no. On no planet does that make sense, but this is what I'm surrounded by. Like, are are there, you know, and, and, and I remember that, and I was just like, okay, I got to get out of this. I got to get out. I don't care what it is. I didn't know how, but I knew, first off, you start taking care of yourself. You start taking care of yourself, then you start caring about yourself. You start caring about yourself, then you start making different decisions about how you treat yourself, right? And so the world and all the people around me didn't necessarily treat me as though I was valuable. And so during that journey, I had to reteach like, hey, you, you got, you got some stuff to offer and you are valuable. And then that, I mean, it just, it snowballs after that. And you just, you know, you don't, I mean, I, I drink now, but it's like, you know, a drink a week, if that, um, I don't smoke, I smoke cigars from time to time, but, um, and I have an eight year old son and, you know, I want to be my uncle for him. Like, like, look, you know, I take him around our family because my family, I mean, ain't much changed. So I take him around, but I also make sure that he can see, you know, my other uncles. You know, we go to family reunions, you know, down south where they're doing really well. It's like, look, look, this is, you know, so I don't know if that answers your question. But. Yeah, absolutely. No, I, I heard someone say that young men are always like one or two bad decisions away from almost ruining their life. I was close. I mean, I, I was close. Right. And, you know, I look, you know, for African-American men in this country, there's a thing called uh, survivor's guilt. And because, you know, I got I got friends that I grew up with that I used to run the streets with and do all this stuff with that are not doing too well right now. Right. And so you see them and it's just like but then you realize that, I mean, a lot of the things that you did pulled you out of that but some of that 
was luck, right? Like, I got lucky. I mean, I got lucky. I had an uncle, right, that was taking care of himself who taught me this stuff at a very impressionable age. I mean, he could have came when I was younger and it wouldn't have stuck. I mean, it just happened that way. He didn't have his family yet. And we got to spend those, you know, two years together, just him picking me up. And I mean, this dude used to, he would come to all my basketball games. He would, he would come pick me up and tell me to make sure I had all my workout stuff. And then he would drop me off, like get out the car. And then he'd be like, run home. Right. <laughs> and I'd be like, he's like, it's that way. So then I'd start running and every once in a while I would see him. So he wouldn't just like drop me, but he was just trying to build me. Right. I didn't understand it at the time, but now it's like, and I won't use those same tactics with my son. I don't think I'll have to, but, but it was, it was, it was luck. Right. Yeah. So do you have survival's guilt for being a successful African-American? Um, at times, at times I do, but that, that, that's something that is less of a challenge these days. You know, as you get older and you get wiser, um, you start to realize that, no, you're right where you're supposed to be based on the things that you've done. I mean, yeah, was there some luck involved? Yeah, but there's luck involved in everything. I mean, the fact that, that we were born was lucky, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> So, but you, it was you that had to do the stuff, you know, and you were, you had the tools because I'm no different than some of my, my buddies. I just, I had the tools. Somebody gave me these tools, right? And fitness was the tool. I mean, to this day, if I'm struggling, I, I come out here and I do my thing and I, I think and, and, and I, and I work through it. Right. And without that, and you know, I had hurt my back two years ago, and it was the first time that that was taken away from me. And it was it was during COVID, and it was, I mean, it was the most, I, I wouldn't say it was the most depressed time in my life, but it was the most depressed time as an adult. And it was so depressing for me, and I didn't even realize that I was depressed until I was coming out of it. And then that's when I realized that just having the one thing, fitness, as your savior is problematic, right? Because what happens if that's taken away from you? Then how do you keep this where you want it to be? And then when I started coming out of it, I started, and this is something that I used to think was corny, but I really started looking at, listening to uh, motivational speakers, right? Like Eric Tom Thomas, the hip hop preacher, and, and Les, um, ah, can't remember Les's name. I think it's Les Brown. Les Brown, yeah. And just all these motivational speakers, what I was realizing is that you have to really protect the input, what, what you're listening to. Now, I love rap music. I am a, a rap head. I was there when it started. I'm going to be there when it, tell, I mean, it's, I love it, right? But it was the first time in my life where I had to really realize that you have to really be intentional about what you're listening to because that can play out when you need it. So back up, I'm listening to all this, you know, this motivational speaking, motivational speaking. And then, you know, I started feeling better about myself. I started having these better concepts, these new perspectives, right? I started applying them. I do this, this, uh, this, uh, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, virtual body weight class. Um, I incorporated it in that. So at the end of the class, I always drop words of wisdom and I talk about, you know, but anyway, all of that, 
actually came into play when I did this to my leg. Because when I did this to my leg, I was crushed. I mean, my business got this momentum and this energy going. I'm in the best, I mean, the best shape of my life. And things are just, I'm coming out of the back thing. I'm, you know, and then boom, this happened. Can you tell the audience what happened to your leg? So about two weeks ago, I went to a birthday party that included basketball at the beginning and then a party at the end. Now, the, the, the basketball or the birthday party was for a 60-year-old guy who plays basketball all the time. I trained him. I mainly train his wife, but I trained him. And I've even played with him a few times, right? And so I'm in tip-top condition. And I, you know, I'm a, a basketball is what I did. And so, I mean, even in my classes, three times a week for the last year and a half, I'm jumping around doing burpees and push-ups and jump rope and, you know, skaters. I mean, all that. So nothing told me that going to play basketball was was not reasonable. In fact, every win, every March for March Madness, I get a bunch of guys together the, the morning of the second day of the tournament at 6 o'clock in the morning, and we play basketball for a few hours. And then we go and eat breakfast, and then we find a place to go watch some of the games. I do a bracket as well. So we find a place to go watch the games, and, and, and I've been doing that for years. I mean, we brought it back the first time this year. We missed two years because of COVID and then my back, right? And so I did that successful, still working out three times a week, and then so showed up at this thing. And my my plan you know, was to look and see who was there. There's a couple guys there, most guys were my age, right? There were a couple of, so the birthday guy, his son plays professional overseas, but he was home for his dad's birthday. So he brought his other buddy, right? So it's me and his, and this dude's other buddy on a team and two other people. And then the birthday boy and his son, right? So, and we got shirts and everything. So there's a game on this court and there's a game on the next court. And in my mind, I'm like, okay, I'm going to get out here. I'm going to move around, play a little defense, pass the ball. If I get an open shot, I'm going to take it. I'm not going to get aggressive. You know, and that was going well because I just wanted to see how my body is. And, man, it it was effortless basketball. And I'm like, oh, this is good. <laughs> Why did the son just go, okay. So then he just started doing his thing, right? Next thing I know, we're down by four. And then the dad started doing his thing. Now we're down by six, right? So I'm looking at this other dude. I'm like, okay, we're not just going to let him beat us. So then we turned it up and we played for a good two hours. And so when it happened, it 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 was, I, you should have seen the look on my face. I, I had to be the most confused dude in Minnesota. It, with the exception of everybody else in the court, because they were like, wait a minute, this dude went down? Like, I, I was expecting that dude to go down, not this dude. And it, yeah, it just happened. And so I'll tell you guys this. 15 years ago, I did my right leg, ruptured my Achilles tendon. Okay. And uh, back then, I was working at Wells Fargo. So I'm a, I'm a mortgage broker, broker. I did that for about 13 years. And so what I do now is a second career. Uh, mortgage broking, uh, great money, um, you know, benefits, all that. You know, it allowed us to do some of the things that we do now. Um However, it was killing me, right? I mean, I would be skipping, literally skipping to my car on Fridays. And then on Sundays, I'd be in the backyard with a fire drinking, like 
not wanting to admit that I didn't want to go to work. But the money was so good. And then I've hit another crossroads in my life and had to ask myself, can I do this for the next 25 years? And the answer was no. So I went and met with a career counselor. They helped me kind of figure out, you know, they, they, they give you all these tests. And then, you know, like your skills, your aptitude, like your values, all that stuff. And then they come back to you and they say, okay, here, here's how you fit in, right? Now, here's a list of people that are exactly like you. And these are the professions that they, they do, and they report that they're happy in it. So then they give you these exercises to try to uh, figure out, you know, narrow it down. And personal training was on there, but I thought, no one makes money personal training. I mean, you, you're either working with a team or, and nobody quits those jobs, right? And so, um, but part of the assignment was I had to go and interview somebody who owned their own business and then somebody who worked for a gym. So I went and I was a member of Lifetime at the time. I was kind of one of those people that would work out for three months and then take four off and then work out for three like months. Like everyone else. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. So then I went and I knew a trainer there. I'm like, I'm going to go interview that trainer. So I went, interviewed this guy. And then there was another girl that was a trainer there, but she left to start her own business. And so, but I didn't have no way of connecting with her. And so I'm trying to find somebody who had their own business to interview. And one day, sitting outside eating lunch with my wife and I look up and this woman comes walking across the street. I'm like, Hey, I need to interview you. And after I interviewed her, I'm like, I'm, I, you know, I talked to my wife. We, we had enough money. I quit, went back to school. Once I finished school, started donation only classes in my garage. And then the rest is history. The rest is history. Go back to that test you were taking. What are some of the strengths that when you took the test that, came apparent to you about yourself? Uh, attention to detail. So they have these 3D images, like say a box, but then it's flat. And you have to look at this thing and, and this flat one dimensional thing and say what it would be like this. And, it, and, and a box is like the easiest thing. Anybody can look at that. But I like almost got it, got all of them right. And she was like, people don't get that right. Right. <laughs> so just the couple of things like intention to detail, like I don't I don't miss anything like when we go to the mall. Right. So I'm trained in corrective therapy or corrective exercises. Right. So when I'm walking in the mall, I'm looking at people, but I'm not looking at like what they're wearing or I'm looking at how they're moving. Like like I can tell you, OK, that dude walks with his feet out. That means that he's missing range of motion in his ankles and it's going to lead to X, Y, Z. Like that's what's going on in my head. And I'm looking, oh, this woman is favoring her. I mean, like things that you would have to be like, oh, yeah, yeah, I see it. Yeah. Like it, it's just like apparent to me. So that that's the one thing. And like like if you if Vince, if you were to come here and train with me, like like I would watch you from the time that you got out of your car to where you came in and sat down and I started interviewing you. Right? This I mean, I'm just like, oh, I see he's you know. <laughs> And I can't stop it. It just happens. And so, yeah, that was one of the things. Um, the other things is connecting with people. Um, you had to read this thing and then like tell like where a where a person would stand emotionally. And I got a lot of that right, right? By just like not knowing the person, but just reading like X Y Z. And so, you know, body language type stuff and 
I guess I, I'm, I'm, I have a high. I, there's a name for it too. I'm, I'm sorry, I wasn't ready for that. But yeah, so those two things, and and now that I'm doing the actual thing, I can see how it is because now I can compare myself to other trainers, and I see that oh yeah, I am a little bit better at at least those two things than than they are. Well, just talking to you, I can tell you a very high empathy, which is the ability to read other people's emotions. Yeah, yeah. And I think that that is from the upbringing that I had, right? So, um, yeah, I mean, I had a stepfather that was really big into discipline, right? And so a good portion of my life my brain was concerned with protecting like my body, right? If you, if you did something, there was a price to pay for that. Like, like back then you, you, you get a, a beating or a spanking or whatever you want to call it. Right. And so navigating that, and then the neighborhoods that we lived in, when you go outside, then you had to navigate that. Right. So we moved up here and it was just me and my sister. I got a sister that's two years older than me. And so we moved here and just navigating, okay, so this little kid is talking mess to me and he's pushing me around and I strike back. And then I show up the next day at school and I don't realize that he's got 12 brothers and sisters. Yeah. <laughs> and so that week was interesting, right? <laughs> he had to say the, <laughs> the <least. laughs> whole week, right? Like, all right, who am I going to fight today because of this dude, right? And so having to, like, walk into school, like, okay. How many people am I walking to school with? Like, okay, we're about to in, we're about to encounter this group. Now we shook hands, but was it was it genuine or was it them feeling us out? Is this going to be an issue? Like, like always. And then you know you do some stuff at home or at school, and you get home, and you're like, okay, what's this going to be like? So I think that honed my like looking at a person and reading like where they're at and what the potential could be and it serves me today i think <laughs> yeah well it sounds like you dealt with a lot of societal uncertainty maybe your stepfather how do you read your stepfather how do you read the kids at school and that definitely translates to how you deal with people you you, you have skills that you can't learn in books exactly exactly yeah I don't suggest that you gain these skills the way I gained them. Like I'm trying to figure out that, like I know my son could not be me, but I want him to have some of it because it served me, but I don't want to give it to him the same way. So that makes parenting very interesting. Well, as a father of four, I'm curious, how would you instill that into your kids without having the same things happen to you that would happen to him to make him as strong as you? Um, I think the best way to, to approach that is to tell a story. Like, you know, when somebody is coming at you and they want advice, I think the last thing you should do is just directly turn to them and give them advice. I think you should reach back in your, in your memory and find a story that would give them the advice in the story, right? So I'm not gonna give you the advice, but let me tell you how I dealt with it, right? And so whenever there, when something comes, I mean, like, I, I don't hide anything from my son. 
I mean, I look at him every day and I'm like, look, dude, the way you're growing up is not how I grew up. So this is new to me. You know, <laughs> you got to give, give dad some grace. Right. But I also tell him, like, what my upbringing was like. He knows. Right. And and I want him to know that because I'm not perfect. And so when I make a mistake, I, 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 I you know, I'm I apologize to my son and I, I talk to him about it and I don't make excuses. But I also say, well, dad is, is this way because, you know, this is how I live. I don't say that, but I tell him the story and then he can he can put together, well, he's like that because of this. Right. And so, yeah, I mean, I don't have it all figured out, but I just know that when you choose not to hit your kids, you have to you have you have to think more. You have to put in more effort. And, and I'm not shy to that. I mean, actually, I, I, I embrace that. I love that. Um, yeah. It sounds like a lot of your childhood, you were in survival mode. Oh. When was the tipping point? Because right now you seem relaxed. You're not sweating. I can't see through the camera. When in your when in your life did it tip over to where you went from surviving to thriving? You know, that's a good question because I often think about this. So I ran away from home at 16 right with my 10 speed and the clothes on my back and i never went back never went back i lived two blocks away from my parents and didn't speak to them for two years after that right? did they know where you were they knew they where i was okay. they knew where i was but they knew they knew that what they were doing was not you know so after a certain point they just let it be um and so when and my parents were really strict and so when I broke away, I ended up living with a family. A friend of mine knew what was going on. And then when I was out on the streets couch surfing, right, he talked to his mom and they said, you should come and live with us. And I did. So I went to live with them. And then I went through this period of time where I was wild, like, because, you know, Oh, now I can go to parties with my friends because I had younger brothers and sisters or younger half brothers and sisters with my brothers and sisters, but they were my stepdad's kids. And so when I lived at home, I would always have to babysit. So people were like, oh, let's do this. Like, oh, I got to babysit. You know, let's go after school. Oh, I got to babysit. Right. So when I broke away from that, it was just like wild. So then I was like reliving the last seven years that I could not that I did not do. And then once that was done, then I started developing like, like, like emotionally and mentally in ways that I could not do because most of my mental energy was on protecting my body. Now that's gone. So now after I get all the, 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 um, I guess being confined out of my system. Now I can start working on, um, emotional development, um, mental development, uh, all those types of things. And honestly, it hasn't been until, until I got married. I got married in 08. And it was the first time where I felt like I, I have space. Like I have mental space to actually develop and like become this full person. I mean, I'm 52 years old and I have an eight-year-old. The reason why I waited so long to have a kid because all the people around me at very young ages were having kids. And I thought, 
you're having kids and it, this is not what I wanted, right? And so I'm like, I'm gonna live my life first and make sure that the things that was done to me that I won't pass on because I, I gotta believe now, I believe that the things that my stepfather did to me was done to him. And I kind of know that for a fact, right? Like his dad was a beast, mm-hmm. right? And so, and then me not really being his kid, I mean, it was easy for him, you know? Um, so then how do I break that cycle, right? And I took some time to do that. The problem is then you oversteer. You end up at 52 with an eight-year-old. And I love my son and I wish I had more, but this was the, this was the, the, this was the right time for me and us to do this, right? And so, no, it's interesting. Now I have the space to really dig, you know, really, really self-improvement. Like, like I'm financially okay, right? I am, you know, I just messed up my leg. I can take two weeks off and, and, and kick back and read some books and take some naps. Like that was not the deal. I mean, you run away from home. It's like, I don't care how old you are. You better get a job. You need, you know, you can't just be, they let you live with them, but you need clothes. You need, they're going to feed you, but you need all this other stuff. So ain't no time to like work on yourself. And so I guess I would say about eight years ago is when things like I really, I mean, it was probably happened a little bit before that, but eight years ago is when it was like, wow, like I got some space and I could continue doing what I'm doing, or I can actually utilize the space to, to, to really self-actualize because I knew that I had so, I mean, I still feel like I got so much potential, but it was, it was delayed because of, you know, my childhood. And then I, that wasn't the focus as a young man, because I was just all over the place. So I wouldn't, yeah, I, hope that I wouldn't say delayed because when I hear your story, I think of the word self-reliance and self-made. And it's almost like you had to develop that foundation, which Chuck, I'll be honest, most people don't have that to get to where you are now. So now on your path to self-actualizing, what are you doing to achieve that? So we talked about like protecting the input, right? So um, making sure that I'm balanced with the things that I consume and I'm talking food, right? So when I like this is a bowl, this is an Akai bowl. Um, there is oatmeal in here. There's vegetables in here. There's sorbet. There is uh, berries. I mean, it's just healthy stuff, right? And so um, when I was growing up, the food that we consumed was not healthy, right? So I focus on that. So, but not only just the food that you consume, the stuff that you consume with your eyes, the stuff that you consume with your ears. Um, just really being intentional about that and then being intentional about everything. I got this concept called the perfect week, right? Now, is there such thing as a perfect week? Probably not, but we can, we can aspire to it. And how do you do a perfect week? Well, you got to start before the week actually starts, right? So doing things like, so I do the laundry in my family, right? I do all the laundry. When I say I do it, I mean, I wash it, I dry it, I fold it up and and, and up until just recently, I'll even put it in your drawer. Now, my wife, she gets a basket on the bed, you know, do whatever you want with it. But my son, I used to put his in his drawer. Now, part of his his uh, his uh, chores is for him to do it. Right. 
But I do that. Now, in order to have a, a perfect week, you got to have that laundry done before the week starts. Because for me, I get up so early, I get up at 4 o'clock in the morning, right? Five mi- or 10 minutes goes by like 10 seconds, right? If you're looking for socks. Oh, yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know? So I'll even lay, <coughs> excuse me, <clears throat> lay my stuff up in my bedroom or in an extra bedroom because when I get up, I come out of the room. I don't want to wake anybody else up. And then I jump in the shower and I go into the other room and then my stuff's right there. So it's, it's really quick, right? Um, things like going to the grocery store. So I do the, the Costco runs as well. Or I do the, uh, well, I do Costco and Whole Foods runs, right? And I know that on the weekends, I could pile my family into the truck and we can go and we can knock it out, but it's going to be stressful. It's going to take up time. We're not going to be spending quality time together. If I can sneak out and get it done during the week, right? Now we wake up on a Saturday morning. We don't have to rush around. If we want a meal prep, the food's already in there, right? If we want to go to the farmer's market, we don't got to worry about doing laundry because it's already done, right? So we can use the weekend to enjoy each other have some experiences, create some memories, and then we can say, okay, we're going to do some food prep. And that doesn't take six hours because it's just in the kitchen. All we got to do is go in and now we just got to cook it. And so um, what I'm trying to say is, is, is being intentional about that stuff creates these little extra pieces of time throughout your week. And then that creates more time for you to focus on you and to make sure that you are on your square so that, you know, because you can't control stress, you can't control, you know, bills and all that stuff, but it, you can control being on your square so that when that stuff comes, at least you respond as your best self, right? And so, and that in itself, that practice over and over again is 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 my way of, of really, on, on a family side, really making sure that I'm that I am demonstrating because it's easy to be like, clean up your room and you need to, you know, but my son, he sees it. My, his dad ain't just like, well, no, no, his dad is doing it. And so modeling it, I'm hoping that's another way he can pick it up. And then, you know, hopefully my wife picks it up and, and everybody is, you know, and then that's how I feel like, I mean, I want to be the leader of my family but I'm okay with if my wife wants to lead and my son wants to lead, but I'm constantly leading from the back, right? And creating these environments of stress-free, like we can wake up on Saturday and just kind of hang out because I'm not worried about shopping or laundry or my wife's not worried about shopping or laundry, then I've provided that piece. And so, I don't know, I thrive off of serving that way, but it also serves me because I, 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 I really like peace yeah i know (laughs) (laughs) so when you open up these little pockets of time from being so prepared what are you doing with that extra time during the week or i should say open time yeah so can you just (laughs) don't be don't be offended by this question can you tell people how old you are oh i'm 50 i'm 52 i'm gonna be 52 i'll be 53 in september and you have the physique of a 25 year old who's in really good shape Yes. yes. So, yes. How, so I know a lot of 52-year-olds that don't look like you. So in that extra time, how was somebody at 52 in such excellent peak physical shape? 
you know, you got, I started a long time ago, right? Um, and then I just made it a priority, right? I put things out in the horizon that made me have to stay in shape. Um, I've always, uh, yeah, it, I just made it a priority and I just, it, it's a non-negotiable, right? You make the deal with yourself and, and, and that's it, right? I think as a society, we do a lot of, we'll go out and we'll get mad when we don't get ser- great service. Or we'll get mad when somebody doesn't do what they do, right? We're not letting nobody off the hook these days. But the one thing we do do is we let ourselves off the hook, right? We'll be like, ah, you don't got to work out today. You had a good, like, well, I don't do that. I expect I don't let nobody off the hook. And then I, don't, I definitely don't let myself off the hook. So, yeah, I mean, I just, and then I'm obsessed with, you know, when I was young, a young man, 52 didn't look like this, right? Um, but I think that that's changing, and I'm using my body as an experiment. I want to know how long I can do this. Like, can I, can I look like this at 76, right? Can I look like this at 86, right? I mean, I feel like if I keep doing the things that I'm doing, why, why not? You know, and I and like I said, man, I'm I'm devoted to that perfect week, so I make time. Like, even if I gotta get so before I was doing this class at five in the morning, I would get up early so that I can get my workouts in, so that I wouldn't take time away from my family, right? And so I just make time. And then I got this eight-year-old son who, if you think I got energy, <laughs> at least I know how to channel mine. He don't know how to channel his yet, so it's just like you know, if he takes off, I got to be able to take off with him. And and he didn't ask for some old dad. He didn't ask for that. So I'm not going to give him that. So, yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm just. And then I've, I've become a real student of, of or not necessarily student of time, but just. I don't need a full hour. Right. So oh, I'll give you an example. So, like, I cut the grass. Well, right now, the neighborhood kid is cutting the grass. I owe him some money. That's right. So I cut the grass. So when I cut the grass, right, I will. So I got this gym in my garage. Not everybody has this gym. But when I go and cut the grass, I set my iPhone for seven minutes. So I'm cutting the grass. Got my headphones on. When that thing goes off, I just stop my lawnmower. I'll come in here and I do a set of 20 push-ups. And then I go back out and I start the lawnmower again and I start cutting, set it again for seven minutes, right? So at the end of that, it takes me just a little bit longer to cut the grass. But my family ain't paying attention to me if he's cutting the grass. Like, they're not like, well, come on. No, they're just like, I don't want to do it, so give it me. (laughs) So when I get done cutting the grass, not only is the grass cut, but I got a workout in, right? I got a workout in. I didn't have to cut the grass and be like, all right, y'all got to wait because I need to hit the gym or I need to do this. Nah, I'm going to work it into my day. Farmers don't go to the gym for an hour to work out. They're doing it all day long. And they don't say, well, I worked my back yesterday, so I need to take... No, they don't do that, right? This is something we've been tricked into believing. So I try to work it in through my, my, my days. And so like, I got my calendar here of all my clients that I train. And I have a 24-hour cancellation policy. 
So if something comes up and you cancel, then I stay ready to just work out. Like I know and it, this is what I got to do today. Oh, Shelly canceled. I'm getting paid to do push-ups or pull-ups today. So I knock, I don't, I just do it, right? And you just stay ready, stay ready. That's how it happens. And it just accumulates like everything else. Um, I've been doing this class now for almost, well, a year and a half. I mean, it consists, I can't, I mean, I do the class. I don't just teach it. I mean, I actually do it with the people three times a week, body weight movements. I mean, you get in shape and stay in shape on accident if you just, if you're just consistent. That's so true. So yeah. other than working out, being prepared, what else is involved in this perfect week? Um, so making sure, so, so for me, mostly it's just like figuring out a system for the daily mundane tasks that have to be done that typically get in the way or catch you by surprise. Right? So say we do the, we do the shopping, say we do the, the laundry, say we do, um, oh, and then, you know, everything I schedule, everything. Like, if I'm going to, if I'm a meditate, I will schedule it. Okay. Right? On my phone. If we go on a walk as a family, I schedule it. If I got to, I mean, because I'll be lost without this. Right? I'll be missing appointments. I'll be, my anxiety will be up. Because you're always like, well, I can't miss and I can't. No, no, I don't even have to think about that. So I clear mental stress by just, if you were like, Hey man, let's get coffee um, on, on in in a month. I'll be like, what time? Yeah. Okay. And then I'll forget about it. But you know, in the beginning of the week, I usually look at my. I'm like, oh, this week I'm gonna meet up with with Ben. So here's the other key, right? So you do all that stuff. Sunday, you guys move meal prep. Everything's good. You get to bed early, right? So Mondays aren't even Mondays anymore. Now, if you do all that kind of planning, Monday goes off without a hitch. It's just like, if life could be like this, I mean, I don't understand why people are saying Mondays are bad, right? And then Tuesdays, it's not as good as Mondays, but it's it's good, right? You still got clean clothes. You still got food to eat. You know, you've already reviewed your schedule. You're not missing any appointment. Wednesday is usually when something goes wrong or something that you did not anticipate happens. But you don't judge. You make a mental note about what it was. And then while you're thinking about your next week, because you get to start over, that's the magic. You get to start over. When you're thinking about that next week, now you go, okay, this thing happened. Now, how do we prevent or we be prepared for that? So let's add that somewhere in this preparation. And then that following week, that won't be a problem. Something else will, right? But you do that same thing and it's just a system. So you feel like, you're making progress by knocking out all this stuff. You actually have a goal that's out in the distance. And it's just this, and for me, it's just kind of this flow of like, like it's hard for you to feel like you're, you're, you're failing. Cause even if you are failing, you're in the habit of, well, that won't happen next week. Plan for that next week. Right. So I'm not going to get too down on myself. Right. I'm not going to throw the baby out with the bathroom. And then that just keeps happening. And then you just, you're just nicer to yourself as a result of it. Right. And you just, yeah. And then, and then people, 
when you, when you operate like that, people can tell. And so then you don't have to ask to be the leader. They're just like, <laughs> this dude, he's, you know, you can't rattle him. He's always, cause you know, so yeah. How did you go from being in jail with a guy with a butcher knife to <laughs> constant, constant self-improvement with positivity? Because I'm, I'm talking to you now, and I just see a man that's on a mission, but the background of your life is love, which is like so inspiring to see. How did you, over these years, why did you do that? Well, it's another survival skill, right? If you feel like like the only person who is really pulling for you is you, and you want to show those people that they should have been pulling for you, then what do you do? Right? Like, I've always kind of known there was something in here. I didn't know what, and I could tell that the people around it couldn't see it. Right? And so... Yeah, I mean, I guess just that. I mean, I had to. Yeah, I, I don't know if I can answer that question. I mean, well, what I could say is that so you see this beard, right? And you see this gray hair. Now, I used to. And if you've gone through any of my social media, you probably have seen pictures where my I'm shaved yep. and my face is super shaved. And what I realized during COVID, one day I'll go to shave. I'm like, because during COVID, before COVID, I, I, did, I had this gym, but it wasn't as nice as it is, right? So um, I was training out of this gym over in St. Louis Park, training out of this gym in North St. Paul, training out of this gym in, in South St. Paul. I worked at Circus Juventus, which is a circus for youth. Uh, I was, you know, doing all this stuff. And when COVID hit, all the gyms closed. So my business... Oh, and I have four corporate wellness accounts. I was going out to these places talking to people about the dangers of posture or not moving throughout the day. Like we have the, the, the information to predict what type of orthopedic issues you can look forward to dealing with if you sit eight hours a day, five days a week, 52 weeks a year. Because if you sit at work, you probably sit at home. You, you probably sit to drive to work. You sit to eat. You know, people are are banking, you know, 13, 14 hours a day in a closed hip position, we can predict what's going to happen to you, right? But we can also, we know what you could do to kind of change that narrative, right? And so I'm doing all of that. COVID hit, knocks it all out, right? Um, son's school shuts down distance learning. My wife works at a hospital. Her stuff ramps up. So it's time for you to get in. It's, it's a team. So now you're doing, now you're cutting toenails, you're, <laughs> you're giving bass, you know, coming, you know, realizing some hard truths, right? You couldn't have told me I wasn't involved that before COVID until one day I'm sitting here cutting my son's toenails, wondering who, who, who's been cutting, <laughs> right? That, that, that was a short sight on my side, right? So, so that really, so going through that really, made me take a look at myself honestly and be like dude you gotta come on now you <laughs> this is a shame this is the first time you're cutting your son's toenails so i think that type of realization and then i go to shave one day and i'm like why are you shaving and then i had to really dig into that right so when i went to go work for wells fargo 
as an African-American, one of the things that I knew is that they need at least one or two of us around there, right? And if they're going to choose, if I got my hair natural as opposed to clean cut, I know that they're going to choose the clean cut person. So then now the question becomes, why you've been cutting your hair and shaving? You've been doing it for you or you've been doing it for other people? And for me, I knew that I needed some work in self-love like really like looking in the mirror and loving myself. So for me, what that meant is grow it out and every day intentionally stop and look at the mirror, not just when you're brushing your teeth, but just look and say, say that you love yourself. And just doing that practice over and over again, um, I think that is one of the things that kind of reinforce this is your mission, right? To improve yourself so much that the people around you can see that it's possible because it's important to see someone who looks like you or even someone who doesn't look like you, just a human doing things that you didn't think was possible in your situation or that comes from where you came from. Because my uncle did it. If it weren't for him, again, I wouldn't be standing here. He, 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 he gave me the weight, but he also modeled it. Before he did that, I was watching him. Right? He would come over and play cards with everybody, but he would never drink, never smoke, right? He would not do that. And so um, I think the biggest thing is just I feel like everybody is here for a reason. And I think my reason, I mean, and this is evolving over the last, I would say, eight years is to inspire people. You know, whether I can do that one on one training or group training, but just to you know, and I am, and, and I also know the importance of a positive mindset. Man, a positive mindset is the biggest. I mean, if you can drill that into yourself, you almost your skin becomes bulletproof. Like no one can say anything to you about you or about like the world or anything. I mean, you can find like this. This happened for a reason, right? It was. It, I'm not exact. I'm still searching for that reason, <laughs> but. It might have been to be like, well, maybe, you know, I don't know. I don't know. But I do know that when this did happen, they helped me to my car and I drove about six blocks and pulled over and cried. I, I cried like, I don't think I ever cried like that. I mean, everything was coming out. Even some stuff that didn't have nothing to do with this came out. But as soon as I was done, all of that all of that 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 motivational speaking, it was quiet and then it just got loud and it got louder. And then all of a sudden it was like, all right, it's time for rehabilitation war. Let's go. <laughs> like, like, like you got you got it out, cry, right? And I didn't cry in front of my son. He's like, you got it out, right? But now that's this ain't you. You know, get off the floor. That's no place for a champion. And when you start valuing yourself and you know your worth through the work and you love yourself get get up get up and get up not just for you because everybody the world is watching right like i mean your world is watching right and a lot of people if you fall i mean you you some people are going to fall that you don't even know right and i just feel like for whatever reason it was put in me to for people to watch and so I'm gladly accepting it. 
I mean, and life is, yeah, I'm, I'm gladly accepting it. Chuck, uh, from my perspective, you got to hear it from me because I'm, I'm just talking to you for the first time today. You're truly a special person. How many people don't see their biological father, were beaten by their stepfather, parents did drugs, move out at 16, went to jail, and then most of those people are still in jail or are dead. A very, very small percentage are at 52, have a loving family, a thriving career, are inspirational. So when you said a few minutes ago, your mission is to inspire people, you already are. And whatever you're going to move forward to do that, please keep doing that because you're truly on the right path with whatever you're doing to inspire people. You are making a huge difference, more than you know. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's, that, that means a lot. And, and, and it's interesting because now I receive that. Like, like, yeah, yeah, you're right. And thank you for that. But before I used to, for whatever reason, reject that. But no, no. I, I received that. Now, there are other people, like, are, are you familiar with David Goggins? I love him. I love him. That guy, man, that, I mean, look at him. Yeah. Right? <laughs> you got to look at your, your stuff, and you got to face it head on, and then when you do that, other people see that you do that, you lead from behind. You're doing it. Right? You are doing it. So, yeah. I got to ask you, because we're coming up in the hour mark. What okay. is one takeaway you'd want the audience to have from this hour? One takeaway. You know, that's a hard one because we've, we've been talking a, a lot of, I thought we were going to talk more about the training. Stuff, yeah. So. I'm more interested in you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I guess I would say that you have to really, we need to start being more intentional about the things that we want and the things that we desire. Right. Stop leaving that stuff up to chance. Right. Start small. Okay. Um, it's very important that you know that you spend some time figuring out what you want and then become clear with it. Because once you're clear at what you want, people can pick up on that and they see that you're driven right? And they could use you, right? Like, hey, that, that guy, yeah, yeah, come on over here. But if you know what you want, you can say, okay, here's where I'm headed. Now, if what you're doing and what you're talking about is going to help me get there quicker, I'm all ears. But if it ain't, then, you know, and, my, and again, I'm here to inspire. I'm here to lead by example. I'm here to lead. And so if whatever you're talking about has nothing to do with that, then I, 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 I have to humbly decline, right? So I would say be intentional and know, know what you want. And don't think that, I mean, because I'm not even there yet, right? But I'm going to get there, right? And believe in yourself and, uh, and, and protect your input because it's subliminal messaging. And if you're surrounded around six negative people, you are bound to be the sixth. So, so look at your group and make the necessary hard changes there if you have to, but be intentional. 
be intentional. I totally agree. And then the last question I always ask is, where can people find you? Do you you don't only work with clients in Minnesota, right? You work with clients all over the country. Yeah, yeah. So I have, um, so I got a, a a decent size virtual group that I or or individuals or however you want to do it that I work with. Um, I'm on a couple of platforms. I'm on a platform called Subkit, and that's where I run my subscription based business. Um, again, it's called the Breakfast Club. It's Monday, Wednesday, Friday. We do it at five in the morning. Don't worry if you're not a morning person. Five five in the morning Central Standard Time. Okay. You're not a morning person. It's okay. I record the classes, and if you're a member, you have access to the classes. In fact, if you were to join today, and here's the kicker. Oh, you can't. Can you say prices on? You can say whatever you want. Oh, it's twenty dollars a month. Okay. For three class, three live classes a week, twelve live classes. Uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, three live classes a week, twelve live classes a month. And if you join, you have access to the, the very first class and everything in between. It's right? an hour workout virtual. Well, it's usually about 30 to 45 And it's minutes. only 20 bucks for the entire month. The entire month. So I did that because, you know, I have a lot of people from my community of origin that want to train with me. And they, you know, I'm on social media, so I'm dropping all this stuff this knowledge that I feel is low level that everybody should know that's brand new to them. And they're like, let me sign up, let me sign up. And I'm like, well, you know, my billable hour is $95. And it's like, yeah, well, <laughs> that's out of see, reach see for a lot of people. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so then it's like, well, how can I reach a bunch of people? Right. Cause it, that shouldn't be the barrier, right? Finance. Right. So I'm like, this is an hour I'm not using. Right. Let me use this and, and, and get spread the message. So you could do that. Um, I also do one-on-one -on -one virtuals through, Vin, or not Venmo, but through, uh, what's the, Zoom. We all use okay. Zoom. Um, and then, yeah, you can reach me through all my socials. I'm very active on social media. Um, you know, I'm on Facebook, Instagram. I'm blowing up on TikTok. I know. <laughs> All of my followers are not like friends from Facebook. I just started fresh and, and I'm loved on TikTok for some reason. But um but yeah, I'm pretty I got a website, um uh www.movementlab or movement-lab.com. Uh Instagram is I am Chuck Turner Training. Um and then my uh I think Facebook is just Charles Turner. Um but you won't miss me. I'm like this. But in my head shaved. head shaved shirt so. off shirt <laughs> off head shaved yeah yeah oh yeah well, that's that yeah one, right yeah yeah <laughs> so yeah man I'm, I'm around i'm around and uh yeah i'm 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 um i love what i do um i am again i'm using my body as an experience uh, an experiment i want to see how far i can take this and i and i don't want to retire i'm never retired i told my wife i'm not going i'm not gonna retire i can sit down with a cane and count <laughs> 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 I love it, Chuck. Well, we're gonna we're yeah. gonna cut it here. I really appreciate your time, and I hope to talk to you soon. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Thank, thank, thank you, you, Chuck. All right.